Yo, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? So, this week, it's just me. It's a solo cast. And with that, uh, yeah. So, um, Nathan's in, uh, uh, doing the Portland Retro Gaming Expo or something. I think that's it. And nobody else showed up. I sat in the Discord for, uh, about five almost ten minutes after uh four o'clock and nobody showed up and uh can't say i'm complaining too much because i really didn't want to have to like host this with other people because it's a lot of pressure so instead um, it's just gonna be all me you might notice uh that the sound is a little weird i'm trying out uh using a compressor so you know uh, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, let's get on with uh, the normal the normal stuff. I was going to have a soundboard, but the software that I use for my soundboard usually, um, it, it I don't know what happened. The last Windows update maybe broke something. I, I really can't tell. But every time I add a new sound to it, it plays at double speed. Because uh, I was going to have a rap air horn. Um, because, you know, that's... Uh, Cliche, I guess you might say. Uh, anyway, yeah, that didn't work out. So, uh, yeah, just gonna be, it's gonna be me talking, uh, really unprofessional, mouse clicking in the background, and all that. Uh, yeah. So let's let's get to it. Uh, first off, I'd like to mention for some reason JoJo's Bizarre Adventure was trending last night on Twitter. It's pretty weird. Uh, the top result. Uh, right now is this uh, Cuphead-themed drawing with uh, JoJo characters. It's pretty weird. Okay, anyway, uh, that's not actually what I was going to talk about. I wasn't even going to bring that up, but it was just the tab that was open. Anyway, so what did I played this week? I played a lot of VR shit. Uh, and by shit, I mean actual, like, it's garbage. There was a lot of garbage. There's a lot... A lot of garbage. Uh, imagine that. Imagine that. You have a new trendy platform for game development. And what do you know? You got a lot of people making really, really shitty shit with it. So um, I haven't even tried to dive into the likes of like Itch.io or what have you. Um, I've mainly just been on Steam. I, I downloaded one game uh maybe two no did, did i download two games doesn't matter uh off itch.io um one of them was <laughs> it was a good attempt uh that was puppy chef academy um that was them kind of trying to do this almost cooking mama type thing in vr uh but it they they barely knew what they were doing uh and it was really obvious and so it <laughs> didn't really work out too well, uh, but it was it was a funny time. Um, the other stuff that I played, uh, well, let me let me look at my Steam library because the thing about it is that <laughs> it was all so bad that it was hard. It's hard for me to even remember what any of it was called. Um, so one of the things was this uh, Akan's Call. Um, it was terrible. 
Um, it was uh, a first person like dungeon crawly game. It looked like they were trying to to make like like just a, a pretty typical dungeon crawler, but in VR, it was bad. Um, I played Deserving Life, which was a generic, um, you, like, it, it was a student project that they turned into a, a so-called, com- oops, sorry, a so-called completed Steam release. And if completed means I beat it in about 36 minutes, and a good portion of that was me jumping between two rooms trying to figure out where I needed to go before I realized, oh, I I needed to uh, shove a screwdriver into this keyhole, and then there's a hole in the door at the bottom where I could grab the key through. Um, yeah. That was, uh, you could probably beat it in, like, maybe... Oh, actually, yeah. Because of the fairly short average playtime of 25 minutes, uh, they actually say that in the release news, uh, which came out on the 13th of October, which I wonder if that was on purpose. But, yeah, it was not good, but they knew it. Um, let's see... Oh, there were actually two achievements that I didn't get. I did. I missed a note, and apparently there's a secret hand gesture that you can make. You can probably flip off the developers. Uh, what else did I play? Played that last week. Played that last week. Played that last week. Um, oh, I played uh, fucking Quanero, which uh, ran like balls, and I didn't understand what was going on. And it was also really blurry, and it just, it, it was overall really, really stupid. It's supposed to be like this, this travel through, through time in this one situation and try to solve the crime or whatever, and it was dumb. Uh, I also played The Ranger Lost Tribe, and that was a fucking joke of a game. Um, it was terrible, and they, they should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, it had an interesting opening. And only in that it was, like, animated, like 2D, and the art was pretty acceptable, I would say. Not good, acceptable. Uh, but the broken English, and then once you actually got in the game, the fact that everything looked like placeholder assets. There was also this, like, half-naked woman that just kept, like, clearing her throat and trying to get me to talk to her, but there was no interact button, so it just seemed like she didn't have any real purpose. It was, it was bad. Um, and then the actual gameplay was a fucking joke. There, there seems to be this, this want for smaller developers to make hack and slashy type first person games along the same lines as Gorn, actually. The difference being that Gorn does first person melee combat right. And every other game I've seen try to do it has done it very, very poorly. The main thing being that Gorn was intelligent enough to realize that pre-canned animations for reacting to impacts is not going to work, or at least won't work without a fuck ton of effort. See, like, the Batman games or Shadow of Mordor, uh, well, I guess Shadow of War 2, um, wherein... The variety of ways that you can hit an enemy 
they all have to be accounted for with different animations. And whenever you have a massive budget like those games do, you can do that. And not to mention all the talent on those teams. Meanwhile, with a game like the Ranger Lost Tribe, and this this happened in Akan's Call as well, whenever you're swinging to hit an enemy, if they just bounce back like like they just they just go ah it's not satisfying and it also doesn't give you very good feedback on whether or not you're even doing anything right because in some cases they didn't even react and i couldn't tell if i was doing damage or not so it's all just a mess and gorn was intelligent enough to realize that and the developer that's why the developer doesn't have any pre-can animations for taking an impact in that game. Granted, it makes it look kind of goofy sometimes, but I think a little bit of goofiness is worth it for the sake of having a satisfying feeling game. And maybe that that also comes down to the fact that maybe the guy that made Gorn was a little more uh, competent than these other people. But it's, it's just me saying that. Um, I still haven't played Rec Room yet, and I really should, because that's, like, one of the top free games on, on Vive. Um, but I also purchased Soundboxing. Soundboxing is fucking great. Um, it's also surprisingly tiring. Uh, that's a rhythm game. You just punch the, the circles that show up in front of you, and that doesn't sound all that interesting, uh, especially considering there are only two colors, and you basically just have to match up the color of your fist with the color of the of the circle. But it is a lot more engaging than you would think, uh, particularly whenever things get faster and you're sometimes hitting things with your right fist on your left side and vice versa. It's it's a lot more fun than you would think. I would almost compare it to a first-person os. Uh, or Osu, as a lot of people will call it, and I typically call it, but I'm just being a weeaboo right now. Um, it's a lot like a first-person Os, uh, and actually, there are a couple of first-person Os games uh, on Steam. Uh, one of them is free, I think, even, but they're a little less polished. And soundboxing is pretty well put together. The UI is neat. Um, has some flaws, but yeah, it's $8, and all the music in the game is pulled from YouTube, and all the tracks are, like, like all the actual, like, punching shit tracks are done, uh, by players, so there's always new shit to play with, is is the idea. It's a, it's a good time, well worth $8. Uh, now a game that I actually paid full price for is to the top, which I accidentally just started. I did not want to do that. I only clicked once, but my fucking Razor Ouroboros is uh, shitty and double clicks whenever I single click sometimes. Uh, Anyway, to the top is almost like a first-person parkour type game uh, with a little little bit of a, a difference in that being that you run with your hands. You do everything with your hands. It's a novel way of doing locomotion in a game, especially a game like this where it's all focused on 360 degrees movement. It's really clever, and it's not perfect by any means, but it feels really good whenever you get into a flow where you're jumping between like pipes and shit. And I wish a little bit 
that um, it relied more on your actual hand movements. Like, I wish it was a little more responsive with that, where I could actually, like, grab onto something and then pull myself up with my actual arm movement. Because as of right now, it's basically that your hands are are electromagnets and you just point it where you're trying to grab and then you just fly over to that point. I, I kind of wish it, they would, they would switch that up, but they are planning on adding some stuff, uh, later on that again, they haven't updated since May. So maybe, maybe they won't, maybe it's dead. I don't know. But in my 20 minutes, it doesn't seem like it was worth the like 25, $30 I paid for it. But Every VR game out there, save for soundboxing and all the free shit, is ridiculously overpriced right now. I really, really hope that that changes later on, but right now, everything costs like 20 bucks that should be like 5 To the top is not quite that level, but I would say it, if it wasn't a VR game, it would be 10 bucks, Maybe 15 Tops. Um, before I go into the last thing... OVR Drop, uh, some software that I purchased. It is incredible and absolutely necessary if you're going to stream VR games, which streaming VR games actually works really well. Just putting it out there. Um, if you're going to stream VR games, I highly recommend getting OVR Drop, purely because you can put the your... your Twitch chat or Mixer chat, whatever, you can put it into a window that floats anywhere. So you can have it floating in the environment as part of the game, or you can attach it to one of your hands. You can even have it attached to your actual like headset so that no matter where you look, it's always in the bottom left or the bottom right corner of the screen, whatever. It's amazingly clever. Uh, the UI is really simple. And it's just so, so useful if you're going to stream games. And maybe for other stuff, too, like, it, it's good for... You can throw Spotify in there or something like that and control your music from inside the game without breaking immersion so much. I don't really see too much value in that sort of thing, but it's a thing that you can do. Um, they are planning on updating it to allow for multiple applications, because right now you can only have one application in there. I would definitely, like, once they do that, that's like, you really should get it if you even, if you use VR on a regular basis, because holy shit, that's so great. One last thing, and I'm only talking this much about this stuff because I'm not going to have as much to say about the other topics uh, as we normally would, and I still want to try to stretch this out to an hour. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to talk about this. I played VR, uh, I guess it would be Kanojo. <laughs> so, many of uh, you might remember a little thing that came out uh, shortly after the PSVR came out called Summer Lesson. And I don't recall whether it ever actually released in the United States. I don't think it did. However, if you're clever like me, you can buy it on the Hong Kong PlayStation Store, on which many games are released simultaneously in both Chinese and English, which is how I got uh, DJ Max. You still can't buy that in the United States, I don't think. Maybe you can now. But I got it when it came out in China. So, uh, anyway... You might remember Summer Lesson, which is a game that is about you 
being a tutor to a uh, young Japanese girl. You know, you know where this is going. Um, you can go on dates and, and whatnot with her. Uh, well, VR Kanojo is uh, the PC version of that. And I don't know if it's made, but like, like if Summer Lesson was originally the game, or or if VR Kanojo was the original game, and then they like put it on PS4 in its current iteration, or what? But it it is how how do you put it? Uh, it's a little uh, a little more adult focused you know what i'm saying it's not it's not pg-13 by any means you know what i'm saying it's borderline borderline nc-17 you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying it's it's much more what you would expect from a japanese game um like there's a fucking there's a mode if you do the benchmark um you unlock i want to be a fan mode which is like, I'm assuming that that was from it just being English, <laughs> but I don't know. Oh, but it was so fucking stupid. I felt so embarrassed, and I'm so glad I didn't stream it because it's just, it literally turns you into a fan at the foot of her bed while she's sleeping. You're just blowing her skirt up, but it's so cringy. Like, the demo, the demo is literally, she turns around and says, Oh man, it sure is hot today, huh? I know, I'll turn the fan on. And then she turns the fan on and stands up in front of it. And then you get a big fucking message that says, You wanna look up her skirt? And I was like, no, I don't. What the fuck is wrong with you? And I answered no. And then it sits there for a second and goes, Really? You don't? You don't want it? Why'd you do it? <laughs> and the problem, the question was worded so weirdly that um, I, I answered no again. And then... <laughs> It took that as me going, yes, I want to. I'm so pathetic. And it put me into the looking up her skirt minigame, which is not even a minigame. It's just, it gives you like 30 seconds and then you can just, you just look under her fucking skirt. It's disgusting. What the fuck is wrong with some people? This is a $50 game. Um, but yeah, and you can like, like I've seen... I don't know if they're mods or what, but I've seen people, like, put her into different outfits, and there is, of course, a nudity mod and all this shit, but it's just like, what the fuck? But yeah, I played that, and I felt terrible. The fucking benchmark, the benchmark is you watching her sleeping. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, anyway. So yeah, that's, uh, that's the first 20 minutes gone by, huh? Alright, so let's get into news. Uh, I don't know, how do you want to order this? Uh, let's start off with the shit that uh, Nathan mentioned, which was uh, somebody dressed up as fucking Pikachu and jumped over the White House fence. Uh, 
And you would think that this was just like some guy, you know, doing a stunt, uh, maybe like, like kind of crazy or something. Um, maybe, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Um, anyway, he, uh, he, he wasn't trying to make like a political statement or anything like that. He literally, he literally just wanted to be a YouTube star. That's it. Um, let's see. What do we got? Curtis Combs, 36-year-old man from Kentucky, was unarmed, but dropped a backpack before jumping a concrete barrier into a restricted area. The backpack was inspected for explosives and was determined to be safe by police. According to the Washington Post, Combs told police that the Secret Service closed in too quickly, interrupting his recording of a pre-jump ritual when he decided to make a break for it anyway. President Trump was at the Eisenhower Executive Office building at the time of the incident. Um, he wanted to be arrested. He didn't anticipate being apprehended so quickly. He researched how others had scaled the fence. Uh, YouTube already had plenty of videos of people trying to do that. Uh, the videos are filmed by accomplices to gain attention for a political issue, but other times people are simply mentally disturbed and looking for attention. Uh, entered a plea of not guilty after being charged with unlawful entry. Um, well, that's not, I mean, <laughs> and the Gizmode article says it's unclear if they'll let him wear his Pikachu costume to court. Uh, I mean, whatever. It, it's stupid. It, it, this is this is one of the one of the kind of things that will show up in somebody's argument for how technology and and whatnot are ruining the country, uh, ruining the world. Maybe it's it's just part of that shit where where somebody's gonna go look look at what our focus on social acceptance and and. Social media, our, our craving for attention has poisoned the youth, even though this man is 36 years old. Um, it, it, all, that's what all this is going to really become, if anything at all. It's, it's a throwaway asshole who really wanted to get attention, and I, he got it. Just, you know, not quite in the same way that he wanted. Uh... I, I don't, I, you know, I, I crave attention. I do. I, <laughs> I fit, fit the bill for a lot of aspects of narcissistic personality disorder. But at the same time, I'm not so deranged as to go, I must, I must climb over the fence to the White House wearing a Pikachu costume. That is how I will gain my fame. That is how I will become God. No, not, not quite that level. Um, but yeah, so that happened. Um, now let's get into stuff that I would say is a little more interesting. Um, something that I'm less, uh... I don't know quite so much about uh, NeoGAF. Uh, apparently, NeoGAF is fucked. Um, basically, the uh, owner of NeoGAF uh, was alleged uh, to have sexually harassed uh, someone, um, maybe multiple people. 
honestly don't know for sure. Uh, but we got some some sexual harassment allegations, which then led to, at least according to this Destructoid article, 11 site modders and administrators to walk out, leaving the site offline as of 1030 uh, on, is that today? That is today. Because, yeah, I heard about this last night. Uh, the sexual harassment allegations um, hadn't actually heard anything develop from it. I guess maybe there's a little bit of weight to these allegations. So that might not be good. Um, and, yeah, the... Uh, so, if you don't know about NeoGAF, it's a kind of weird site where you can't just make an account. You have to, like, do some shit. You have to, like, be a journalist or, or you basically, you have to be important to somebody somewhere and then you can get in. It's a, it seemed to me to be about the same level of exclusivity as like a private torrent site or something like that. Um, so, you know, it's not good. Uh, these allegations come after a 2012 post where Evalor, the owner, uh, Tyler Evalor Malka, uh, reportedly, um, well, he self-reported that he grabbed the ass of a woman he did not know without consent to show her that he wasn't being taken advantage of. And actually, I remember that. I remember hearing about that. Um, I saw a Facebook post uh, from somebody who said... Uh, yeah, that they were the, it, alongside the uh, was it who was the the big movie director that was that had like fucking three dozen people or whatever uh, calling him out for sexual harassment uh, or you know assault in some cases. Uh, it, it, it was. Uh, alongside that, somebody was talking about how you know all these people coming out about their their experiences kind of made them want to talk about it. And then somebody was like, oh, what happened to you, sister? And then she was like, oh, Google evil or okay. Okay. That's a did it. And I guess that's the, that's the guy that owns Neil Gaff. So oh, oh, uh, Harvey Weinstein, that was it. Um, well, that's not good. A lot of a lot of big shit drops through NeoGAF, and a lot of insightful commentary comes from NeoGAF. So I hope the company doesn't die, but you know, fuck this guy, and I hope he gets replaced. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Just an interesting thing that's going on. I personally have never followed anything on NeoGAF because of its uh, whole, you know. Uh, uh, what are you, uh, exclusive community and whatnot. So I I don't know that I'm ever going to care about NeoGAF, but a lot of people get their info from NeoGAF, so that's kind of important. All right. So another gaming-related thing before we get into the major thing that I wanted to talk about this week. EA shut down Visceral Games. Uh, yet another one. As other people have already reported this week, Visceral is yet another victim of EA, of EA going, 
Well, this studio isn't quite making enough money. So they're just going to have to die. And that's what happens. Uh, basically, EA... Now, it's a little different from how this often goes. Because usually what happens is EA will go, Ah, you look like a promising young developer. Shall we purchase your studio? And then the studio goes, Money? And then EA buys them, gives them a little bit of creative freedom for, you know, a game or two. And then EA goes, Yes, but how can you make us more money? And then the little developer company goes, Well, uh, we could put... I don't know, microtransactions in or something? And he goes, mm, yes, you could. Oh, we could kill you. And that's what EA does. EA, EA takes these these little little developers, these little studios, they go, yeah, yeah, we know who's talented now out of all of you. And then they cut all the fat out. They go, they go, this guy, this little creative motherfucker, he doesn't want to put money making things in his games. He's gone. And they 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 just eat these little developers. They take all the good talent, they take them, they put them into their other studios, and then they shit all the rest of it out. And that's what's happened with Visceral Games. Visceral Games, if you aren't aware, made the Dead Space series. And also Battlefield Hardline, but let's 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 not talk about that. Um, Dead Space... Really good franchise up until Dead Space 3, which is where it got all EAified. Where they had to just, they just shoved microtransactions right up Dead Space's asshole. They, that's, that's what EA does. E EA went, okay, okay, Dead Space is great and all. But what if we fuck the in-game economy up so much that it forces you to spend real money to be able to fully enjoy the game? And, and then Visceral went, well, I mean, okay, just don't, just don't get the blowtorch out again. And then EA went, hey, Visceral, so we were thinking, you know how, like, Call of Duty does the whole thing where like they have different developers for every year you guys want to do the off year for battlefield and visceral did it and they made an altogether fairly solid experience and they tried to like change up what made battlefield battlefield a little bit and then it wasn't very commercially successful um yeah, the, the the best thing to me about Battlefield Hardline was all those uh, really funny reload animations that showed that Visceral still gave a shit and had a lot of a lot of personality behind what they did. And you know, regular Battlefield doesn't really. Uh, you know, they have the dinosaur Easter eggs. I guess that's something. But anyway, Visceral had reportedly been working on a Star Wars title. Um, now that's going away. And another studio is going to work on it. Uh, work on it. Um, basically, what I've heard from a lot of other people, and what I personally believe as well, essentially means that the new Star Wars title was probably going to be a single-player narrative game. Single-player narrative games 
are not commercially viable for a AAA studio to make anymore. Uh, that is why um, even Uncharted has multiplayer. Why Uncharted 3, I think, started the whole having microtransactions in the multiplayer. And you can, I think you can buy like costumes and shit, but it's, it's all about that. That's what the gaming industry is becoming, at least for AAA games. And it's unfortunate, but it's the way things are going to go. I think this is going to be another step in the direction of more and more games kind of coming from smaller developers that are more along the lines of the uh, what, what the fuck what the fuck was that game uh, the the one that was supposed to be like uh, indie triple A fuck I can't remember the name of it uh, but the 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 there's like all Norse shit and she uh she it's like something sinuous sacrifice is the name of it um but that game was made with probably a couple mil budget and looks like a full-fledged AAA all that shit game made by an, an indie group. But, and, and maybe more accurately, it's going to lead to more studios like Red Barrels, where it's industry veterans that got sick of the bullshit from working in AAA games who join together to make their own studio to do what makes them creatively happy. Whether or not that results in a good game is a whole different deal. But I think that's where things are going to happen, where, where things are going to go, especially with how making a $100 million single-player game just isn't going to happen anymore. It's it's just not. We're going to be leaning more and more towards the indie space for those kind of experiences, which I'm okay with. Cause fuck EA and fuck Activision. I'll I'll get to that. Uh, anyway, that Star Wars title that Visceral was working on that's going to get moved over to another studio probably will be re reworked into something that they can throw microtransactions into. Um. And, you know, speaking of the microtransactions, how about how about how about Star Wars Battlefront Two, huh? How about that shit, huh? <laughs> how about that shit? Yeah, case in fucking point. All right, so Activision. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh, oh boy! Whoa! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Activision. Good old, good old buddy Activision filed a patent back in 2015. Uh, it was filed by an R&D team working independently from the game studios. Uh, Activision stated, as if this was supposed to. Uh, quell any kind of fears of this turning into a real thing. So, what the fuck is the patent? You may ask? Well, 
it is a patent for microtransaction-based matchmaking. Isn't that delightful? Yes, microtransaction-based matchmaking. So, as the name implies, it is matchmaking that rather than matching you up with another player based on skill level, uh, time spent with the game, any of that shit, nah, it is focused on making you spend money on the game that you already purchased. Yeah. How about that shit, huh? Yeah. So, the general idea is that the game will build a profile on you, the player, as you uh, play the game to find out what you're interested in buying, what you'd be most likely to buy, and then directs you into situations where you'd be more likely to buy those things in the game. Um, one of the specific things mentioned in the patent was the concept of a newer player getting paired up with a more experienced player, a player that would be more likely to beat the fuck out of the new player. Um, idea being that the new player sees all the cool badass equipment that the experienced player has, and then the new player goes, mm, I want that gun right now. And then the game goes, hey, you want that gun right fucking now? You could spend $2 on it. And then the, the player goes, hmm, $2, you say. And they spend $2 on it. And then the game goes, yes, now we know you are susceptible to our commands. And the game adds that to your profile. Alternatively, if you go, no, I'm not really interested in that in that gun. Then the game goes, hmm, we will remember this. We will find your weakness. And it adds that to your profile. Um, this is terrifying. Um, and like to 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 maybe less embellish what it is that uh, the the patent stated. Uh, here, here's some quotes uh, from the GameSpot article that uh, is, is quoting the patent. The system may match a more expert slash marquee player with a junior player to encourage the junior player to make game-related purchases of items possessed slash used by the marquee player. A junior player may wish to emulate the marquee player by obtaining weapons or other items used by the marquee player. So, yeah system goes further. In one implementation, when a player makes a game-related purchase, the microtransaction engine may encourage future purchases by matching the player, by using matchmaking described herein, in a gameplay session that will utilize the game-related purchase. Doing so may enhance a level of enjoyment by the player for the game-related purchase, which may encourage future purchases. What does that mean? Uh, basically, it means that if you buy something using microtransactions, the game will put you into matches that makes the thing that you just bought with a microtransaction work better. So, say that the game was designed around the idea that a particular weapon will dominate over weapons of this type. It will put you into a match where there are more of there are more players that are going to be susceptible to you fucking them with the fancy new gun that you just bought. 
because you just bought it, which will then make you feel like that was a worthwhile purchase, which will then make you more likely to buy more things in the future. Isn't that fucked up? Isn't that fucked up? So, Activision, seeing all the outcry about this, went, whoa, Whoa, guys, well, c calm down, guys. This was only an exploratory patent. We only had somebody come up with this horse shit. We're not actually gonna do it or anything. That would be crazy. Sure it would be. <laughs> we wouldn't tell any of you fuckers that we were using it anyway. <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> This was an exploratory patent filed in 2015 by an R&D team working independently from our game studios. It has not been implemented in-game. None of this functionality appears in Destiny. Yet. Sure, maybe it's not in Destiny 2, but will it be in Destiny 3? Will it be in Call of Duty Modern Warfare X3 Quad Quattro Quattro Bingo Bango? Will it be in Not Halo X20 Game Name? Will it? Uh, what about like? Well. No, no, that's not an Activision game. <laughs> what does Activision even make anymore that isn't Destiny and Call of Duty? <laughs> no, really, what do they make? I can't even think of it. Get out of here, advertisement, you fucking piece of shit. Um, anyway, yeah. So, fuck Activision. Uh, fuck him. Oh, yeah, they, they, they make Overwatch. Wouldn't that be crazy? Uh, Overwatch really doesn't work that way, though. Thankfully, it's all cosmetic items, which I still think is a bunch of fucking bullshit. But that's neither here nor there. Well, we only made a 45-minute-long episode today. Uh, but, you know, that's what happens whenever you have one person talking about everything. Uh, hopefully Nathan's having a wonderful time at the, uh... The Retro Gaming Expo. Uh, I know that uh, I like games. And, uh, oh, oh, I know. I could talk about the October 2017 uh, free PlayStation Plus games. Uh, Amnesia Collection. Is that, whoa, is that like Amnesia the Dark Descent? It is! No way! Okay, you should definitely pick that up. Amnesia the Dark Descent and Amnesia Machine for Pigs are both pretty good games. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Fire the Phantom Fucking Pain? Uh, that's not even like, it's not even a question. Get that shit. Um, something called Hue and Skyforce Anniversary. Uh, I don't know what the fuck any of those are. Either of those are. Um, don't bother. Alright. Well, I wasted another minute. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm dry. I'm dry, guys. I got, I got nothing else. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of much else besides if I wanted to like 
You know what? Since this is a special day, let's let's have a let's have a little bit of a of an editorial, shall we? A little little off the cuff, uh, little little thing here. This isn't this isn't news so much. Maybe it is a little bit. So TwitchCon is going on right now, and so TwitchCon is Twitch's convention for all of their their streamers um and it is for every motherfucker that is a partner basically now they they have panels that are hosted specifically by the big name streamers but you know some of them aren't quite like so huge um my like a guy that I've followed for years and years and years is not all that popular anymore. Uh, Cryotic, uh, most people refer to him as Cry. He was originally Chaotic Monkey on YouTube, and fucking I love him. And he's got a panel there. I don't think he's hosting it. I think he's he's hosting it with somebody else that's more popular than him. But I think that's really fucking cool. And uh, another guy, uh, John Wolf. Um, used to be harshly critical. He decided to rebrand himself recently. Um, he, he's been gushing about how much Twitch actually seems to give a shit about its creators. And that's kind of something that I wanted to bring up is Twitch. It has shown that they give a shit about the community that they have. Something that has drawn me to Twitch from the very beginning has been the community overall. It's been channels like Salty Bet that have their own little memes. Um, and the site itself has its own little meme kind of kind of thing going on. Uh, inside jokes, probably more appropriate than meme, because meme is such an overused fucking term now. But, like, Kappa... Do you have any idea what Kappa means? If, if you don't go to Twitch all that often, you probably don't. You probably don't even if you do go to Twitch at least like every once in a while. If you've, if you've heard of Twitch, if you go on Twitch, the, the whole idea is, is that, that you learn these things by becoming part of this overall community of streamers. And what, what I want to, to compare that to is YouTube. So, so TwitchCon, bring, bring, bringing TwitchCon back. TwitchCon um, has a, a, a bunch of shit for everybody who is a partner. Um, and, and they're showing that they, they give a shit. Including, they're throwing a fucking party on a cruise ship. For all their fucking streamers. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's amazing. How is that not amazing? Meanwhile, like, what does YouTube do for their creators? They go, we've created a brand new way for people to flag your content. Isn't that fucking great? Uh, Like, we've created a brand new way for advertisers to not give you money. Isn't that great? Like, YouTube only keeps on showing they don't give a fuck about you, about your content, about your viewers, nothing. 
All they give a shit about is their advertisers and their revenue and how cheaply they can run their fucking website. That is it. That is all that they do. No matter how many fucking blog posts that they put out saying, we value our creators, we give a shit about this, it, it is a textbook fucking case of actions fucking speak louder than words, motherfucker. And YouTube has done nothing to change anyone's opinion on whether or not they give a single fuck. You don't get anybody with with YouTube really able to communicate directly with YouTube. You get you get a few select really really fucking high people and maybe if you're lucky, if you're somebody with like, you know, a, a couple hundred thousand subscribers, maybe you're lucky enough to like have the email address of somebody within YouTube and you can hope that you get a response, but hardly anybody gets an actual representative unless they're part of like a multi-channel network that fucking has like an accumulation of tens of millions of subscribers. Like, you have to be fucking Markiplier, or PewDiePie, or Jacksepticeye, or Rooster Teeth, or some group like that. You have to be part of Maker, or, or something, to be able to actually talk to YouTube. And even then, you don't get a whole lot of fucking answers. YouTube doesn't tell these people what they're actually doing. I listen to Funhouse's podcast, and they've talked about the whole adpocalypse thing, and how even going through their contacts, they don't entirely have any answers for why some things get demonetized. They just fucking do. Or, if they do have reasons, they're probably under NDA to not say why. And it's, it's disgusting. Like, up until a couple of weeks ago, I had nothing demonetized, and it was mind-blowing, because if anybody's shit should be demonetized, it's probably mine. <laughs> like, I, I don't have, like, really deplorable shit, but if other channels are getting their shit demonetized, I'm probably somebody that should get demonetized. Because, as you've heard in the last 50 minutes... I don't exactly censor myself when I'm talking, and I kind of have the vocabulary of, like, a 14-year-old sometimes. Um, so, like, I get me getting demonetized. It's just weird that it took this long for it to hit me, and I now finally understand why it's so frustrating for even larger YouTubers. Because... Here's what happens when your shit gets gets demonetized. You get a notification in your video manager. Not an email. Nothing like that. You don't get told that your shit's been demonetized. You just have to check and see, oh, oh, it's been demonetized. Okay. Like, there's a big blue banner at the top of my fucking dashboard that says, hey, if you're not making much money, it's because you're a fucking loser. But... Like, you have to actually go into your video manager to see which videos have been demonetized. Does it give you a reason why? No. No. You don't know why. It just says it's not suitable for all advertisers. And it gives various reasons why that could be, but not a specific reason why it happened to your video. And considering a fucking algorithm is doing all this shit, I can't imagine it would be that hard just to fucking tell me that it's because I said fuck three times in, within the course of a minute. 
Like, and, and that is one of their things, by the way. One of their fucking things is profanity. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> are you serious right now? Advertisers don't want their shit on a platform that has a lot of profanity. They fucking advertise on social media sites, but you want to keep, they want to keep their fucking name off of something that has fucking profanity. Like, fuck you guys. But the worst part is that to get your shit re-monetized, it has to go through a review process. And the only way for your fucking video to go through the review process is for it to get a thousand views. And no, for larger channels, that's nothing. I mean, they'll get that in a couple of hours. But that's a thousand views that you have not made any money off of. And depending on how long it takes for them to do a manual re review, that's thousands of views that you haven't made any money off of. And if you're the kind of channel that uploads every day or twice a day or three times a day and your shit is getting demonetized on a regular basis, you're losing like upwards of $20, $30 a Well, no, at least $20, $30 a day, possibly, depending on when you m fucking mark your shit for manual review. And that, that's, that's, it still has to hit a thousand views before you can even check that box, which is the stupidest fucking shit. Like, YouTube does not care. Does not care about you. And if they, if they do, they're doing nothing to indicate it. And I think that that's, that's the big problem, is that they aren't even trying to make it seem like they give a fuck about it about creators, anybody, anything other than money. And like, meanwhile, they keep redesigning the website and all this. Why are they redesigning the website and all that? Probably just to make the, their little fucking money makers, the viewers, probably just to get them to watch more videos. They've probably got some crazy ass human behavior, uh, machine learning, setup that has figured out that people will be more likely to do things if you do this and you or you do that it's disgusting and infuriating meanwhile what's twitch doing well meanwhile twitch is coming up with new ways for their streamers to make money via bits which bits are really stupid and i don't know who would possibly buy them but they do um, Twitch has reduced uh, latency in streaming uh, quite a bit. Uh, it's not as good as uh, Mixer. It's not even as good as YouTube's streaming, which that's another thing is YouTube has very obviously poured a lot of its effort into the streaming platform. And reason being, streaming is more and more becoming the future of at least gaming entertainment and a lot of entertainment online, uh, live streaming that is, and that's uh, like like it's become so much of a thing that even fucking Vimeo has a live platform now. Like live streaming is every fucking where now. So obviously YouTube's gonna put their shit into that. 
They're trying to catch up with, with everybody else. But Twitch uh, Twitch has reduced their, their input latency, and they're rebuilding the back end of their fucking website to make everything work better. They're, they're obviously, at least to me, working to make the site work better. And they have TwitchCon, which YouTube has VidCon, but have you ever heard anything good about VidCon? Because I sure as fuck haven't. I haven't heard a single good thing about VidCon come from anybody who dares to say negative things ever. Because, uh, yeah, I hear good things from the fucking, like, nail art fucking creators or, like, the makeup creators, the people that have nothing to fear, that have nothing to worry about in terms of their shit getting demonetized because they are the trite that YouTube is, is looking for. But the, the creators that are, you know, human, those people never have anything good to say about VidCon because it's just a disgusting mess. It's, it's just a show. Uh, meanwhile, TwitchCon seems to be a genuinely good time that's, that's giving creators like information on how to make their shit better because i've looked at the panels there it's like how to how how to grow your 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 fan base how to increase interaction how to manage these things like it's good shit and there's genuinely entertaining stuff it's along the lines of a couple of things that i went to pax to watch it was great it was actually insightful useful information Meanwhile, VidCon just seems to be like a big meetup where everybody jerks each other off and then splooges all over little kids' faces. Like, that's what, that's what it sounds like. And it's just stupid. It, 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 it's probably a matter of YouTube's trying to find their identity at the same time that other game streaming sites are trying to find their identity. And YouTube's identity is quickly becoming nothing... But garbage, ch videos for children, and Twitch wants to be, you know, videos for gamers. Uh, I genuinely, genuinely think that Twitch is going to be the next big gaming platform for all types of videos. They have an upload feature now. Um, they've had it for a while, actually, but um, it's in it, it, it's in beta. And I've started uploading my videos to it because I genuinely think that eventually YouTube's going to go either, they're either going to say, move all your shit over to YouTube gaming, or they will just start demonetizing virtually all, all let's play style videos. Like I, unless you are going okay guys it's time to let's play minecraft we're gonna build a, a tower to to the moon today i like to thank amazon for their sponsorship with audible audible's a great piece of fucking shit Put 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 a butt on my face. Like that's what YouTube's gonna become. And meanwhile, Twitch has got Kappas, and Twitch has got Franker Z's, and Twitch has got all this great shit. And I, I think that that's that's where the stuff's gonna go. 
I know Nathan likes Mixer because of the, the really short latency, but Mixer feels very corporate. And it, it, maybe it's me being biased because Microsoft bought them. But Mixer Mixer just seems like they're they're struggling to not fall into the same trap that Hitbox did. And I, I don't think that they're going to make it out of it. I think that, that with how Microsoft is going to bend the platform, that that whole thing is going to go to waste and it's going to be real unfortunate. And there are so many other streaming platforms that are, that are coming up every other day that I also think that Twitch having the base that it has is going to be really important. Um, I, I found a, I saw an ad for one called Caffeine that also has like sub second streaming latency. So like, obviously this tech isn't that hard to do. It's probably because Twitch has such a, a an outdated backbone and, and they, I think they're, they're still using, is it RTMP for everything? And it's like, like the shortest you're going to get is like a second and a half or something like that. So yeah. Um, Rather than rather than ramble on, since I finally hit the hour, I'll cut it off here. Um, just wanted to to rant about Twitch and, and YouTube and online streaming and all that. Anyway, all right. So let's end this shit. Uh, I am Andrew Aroa McFane. You can find me on Twitch at Twitch.tv/slash Aroa one three three seven and. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Aroa. That's that's A-R-O-A-H, by the way. Just in case you don't know how to spell a word that isn't a real word. Um I got uh I got that music blog, satanoscillate.tumblr.com. Um I can you search for users on Spotify? That'd be pretty cool. Let me see if you can do that. You can. So look me up on Spotify at Aroa1337 and follow me, follow my playlists on there. Um, Cause yeah, that, that would be, that'd be cool. Can you, can you follow me? Can you follow me on there? You probably can. I just don't have a follow button, but yeah, you should do that. Cause uh, I, I listen to a lot of Spotify. So, um, I don't think I have much else. YouTube, Aro and three, three, seven, um, still posting on there for, for now. Cause you know, I got to, um, but I'm also posting, or I'm going to start posting all my videos on Twitch, uh, at the same time. So yeah, I think that is it. Um, uh, anyway, you guys, you guys have a great great week can you can you do that for me can you have a great week for me can you do that can you do that for me bye bye